Welcome to Following Jesus in Nursing, a podcast for nurses and students produced by InterVarsity's Nurses Christian Fellowship. I'm your host, Lara K. Kaiser, and together we'll be inspired by our guests' stories, tackle big questions with experts in the field, and walk together in following Jesus at the intersection of faith and nursing. He definitely hears us as nurses. He knows how we're feeling. He sees those nurses that are burnt out. He sees those units that are understaffed and he's there. When you're sitting there at your nurse's station and you're ready to quit, like Jesus is sitting there with you. Welcome back, y'all. In the last episode, you heard the first half of my conversation with Josh Mays, a travel nurse in L.A. He shared his backstory of spending a lot of time in the hospital growing up and how that led to him becoming a nurse. Today's episode is the rest of my conversation with Josh, where he shares some harder moments on the job and how he approaches life and nursing with gratitude. Here it is. So how has Jesus met you in some of the harder moments in nursing? I would say there there can be a lot of hard moments. So I worked at a level two trauma center here in Vegas before I started travel nursing. And I worked the night shift. So you never know what's going to come through the door. So we got everything from uh, autoped, which is someone being hit by a car, to MVCs, motor vehicle collisions, uh, motorcycle accidents, shootings, stabbings suicide attempts, all all sorts of things, you know? And I remember this particular night, we have our our trauma pager and when it goes off, it'll just tell you what the event is, the sex and age of the patient and the ETA. So that's all the information that we have. And then we run down to the ER to assess the situation. Me, the scrub tech, and then the anesthesiologist and then also the trauma surgeon will show up, as well as all the ER staff, which work the patient up and um, stabilize the patient. So on this particular night, the beaver goes off and it says, gunshot wound, uh, 54-year-old male, ETA, five minutes. So when you get a gunshot wound, as we're walking down, we're always trying to figure out, okay, where is it going to be at? So there's different trauma levels. So like... Level one would be somewhere in the torso mm-hmm. or like somewhere in the head. But if it's in the arm, it will be like level two. Or if it's in the like lower extremities, it'll be level two. So this one said level one, actually. So we we get down to the ER and I, I see the patient rolling through the door and they're already doing CPR, which is never a good sign. And as they get closer... I realize it's a police officer and every once in a while we'll have like police in the ER. If it's uh, some sort of criminal case or something, it'd be like one or two, but I noticed there's a ton of them. There's like at least five to 10 police officers around this area. And so very chaotic situation. Uh, the, the, The prognosis wasn't good and we were trying everything. He ended up not making it. Mm-hmm. Um, which was extremely hard for everyone because we try our best for everyone. But, you know, when it's a police officer, 
as a nurse, it's kind of like, you know, we're on the same team. We're trying to, we're helping the public. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So that was especially hard. There ended up being like this whole procession to take him out, back out of the ER. And like, there was a whole motorcade. It, it was this crazy thing. And the team that I was with, we were able to encourage each other and remind each other that we did everything that we could. And even though we were in this extremely hard situation, we still have each other. And the next shift, we're going to start fresh and we're going to do give our best once again. And I was praying throughout this whole thing too, like, Lord, be with the surgeon, be with me, give give the surgeon everything, all the critical thinking that that she needs in order to uh, make the right decisions and everything. So it was quite the night, but at at the end of it, you know, we stuck together, we had each other and we encouraged each other and also honor him for his service. So yeah, that was a, one of the hardest situations that I've had to deal with in my career. And um, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 about reflecting and remembering, you know, why we're here. Like as a nurse, I'm here to um, do the best I can each day. And sometimes you, even when you do everything you can, that, that won't be enough to save someone's life. Mm-hmm. I'll share one more story. This one was almost as hard because this lady also ended up not making it. And I remember I talked to her in the in the pre-op and she was like still like kind of joyful and like nervous about surgery. Mm. And what happened was she tripped on her rug and fractured her back. And I remember her in the pre-op, she's like, I feel so stupid. I don't know why I did that. Da, da, da. And like, I felt really bad for her. And one thing that they tell you in nursing school is, is never to give false hope. Mm-hmm. Like never say like everything's going to be okay. Cause you don't know. Right. Um, but I, but what I did say was, you know, we're going to do our best to take care of you. That's usually what I say, something along those lines mm-hmm. and you're in good hands. Um, and we're going to try to make you as comfortable as possible. Um, and that's exactly what I did. So like we rolled her back and I was there with her as she went off to sleep. So I did my part there to ease her anxiety. And it ended up being this really complex, difficult 10-hour procedure. Wow. We were there all night where it was a like a spinal fusion mm-hmm. um, where there's a an anterior approach where you're going through the abdomen. And then they close that up. Then they put the patient posterior. You change positions and then access the spine through the back. And then go back anterior. Wow. And um, yeah, so there were some complications with the procedure. She ended up going to ICU. And then after a couple of weeks in the ICU, she ended up passing, which made me feel really bad. But once again, I reflect on my part as a nurse in thinking that my little interaction that I did have with her was positive, even though she was anxious, even though um, like she didn't want to be there. I did my best to give her peace and um, uh, just soothe her anxiety in that moment. And sometimes in nursing, that's all you can do. And 
I try to also like just to myself, you know, pray for my patients too. Um, Cause you never know what's going to happen. And at, at that moment, sometimes that's all you can do. Yeah. It really sounds like part of Jesus meeting you in nursing is reminding you, reminding you, reminding us, all of us of kind of our place in our role in the world and in helping people is, you know, there's only, like you've said a couple of times, there's only so much we can do. The rest is in God's hands. And I think we forget that sometimes. And Mm -hmm. I will speak for myself and saying, sometimes I think things are more in my power than they really are. Uh, But I would imagine being in those situations that you've described that it really puts it into perspective of, of whose hands everything is in. Yeah, absolutely. All you can do is, is sort of sit in those, those spaces, those moments and ask Mm -hmm. Jesus to be with you. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing those, Josh. And yeah, I just really appreciate your, your perspective on points of joy and points of hardship. I mean, there was a lot of hard stories in both sections, but um, Mm -hmm. I appreciate you being open to, you know, doing the best that you can in each situation and Mm -hmm. pray and just praying for people. Yeah. So I would love to zoom out a little bit and get your perspective or sense of how you think Jesus is speaking into the culture and field of nursing in this season. So if we think about the state of nursing now, I see things on the news about nurses being held liable for certain things, some of which may be negligent, some of which isn't, and hospital administrators talking about nurses getting paid too much. This is about a year ago or so where they're trying to put a cap on the hourly rate. I'm a part of different, a few different nursing groups, specifically with travel nurses, and I see things about rates being cut drastically, and you also have the ever-going, ever-persistent issue of nurses being understaffed, or units being understaffed, and that's everywhere. And nurses as a whole are just becoming more and more burnt out. They want to be compensated for, um, we want to be compensated for our work and mm-hmm. our time uh, and be paid and treated fairly, especially post-pandemic. So we're in this post-pandemic um, nursing culture where once again, nurses are tired of the platitudes from, from upper management. They're mm-hmm. tired of, of uh, pizza parties and, <laughs> uh, and just want to be treated fairly and um, want those actions to back up those words. So with that being said, how does Jesus feel about this? And in my perspective, I think he definitely hears us as nurses. He knows how we're feeling. He sees those nurses that are burnt out. He sees those units that are understaffed. And he's there. When you're sitting there at your nurse's station and you're ready to quit, like Jesus is sitting there with you. Hmm. And it, it may be hard to think about having a lifelong career in nursing when you can't even get through that 12-hour shift that you're assigned to. But it's important to just think about it on a 
day by day basis. So like when you think about the Lord's prayer, it says, give me my, my daily bread, you know, give me what's sufficient for this day. And I truly believe that God can do that for you. Jesus can do that for you if you allow him to. Um, but if we zoom out, zooming out from from just your daily practice, I think that, and this is going to be, once again, <laughs> an unpopular opinion, uh, it's important to be content with where you are. And I'm not saying not to fight and push for what you also deserve, but don't let that consume you. Mm. So, so while you're signing petitions and, and doing things like that to um, fight for things that you do deserve, also be um, content and grateful for what you do have. So a lot of people would be um, ecstatic to have the salary that most um, nurses have um, or even having a three-day work week that most nurses have. And... In, in a lot of places, I would say most of my coworkers are a joy to be around, you know? So <laughs> being able to work in a place where you can have fun with the people that you work with mm-hmm. um, and being able to meet new people. A lot of patients have really cool life stories that they're, uh, that they're really proud of and will appreciate if you ask them more about themselves. A lot of patients will appreciate that. Um, so if you if you take time to focus on things like that and see like what's right in front of you, like what all you have right now instead of what you don't have or what you wish you had, um, I think that would do a lot for nurses' mental health and just overall spiritual state. Mm-hmm. That's so well said, and I appreciate the tension that you're naming here of things aren't ideal and there are changes that we want to push for and we're always trying to uh, cry out and fight for and vote for justice and uh, equality and dignity of people nurses Mm -hmm. included (laughs) and and also we have a lot to be grateful for and content with and I think it's really hard to hold those things in tension because it seems like they both they can't both be true, uh, but they can. They can coexist. Absolutely. Well, you've mentioned gratitude as a helpful spiritual practice a couple of times. What other spiritual practice helps you stay grounded as a nurse? I would say, like I mentioned, most nurses have a three-day work week. So for me, I worked three twelves in a row, and in the in the morning when I first get to work, usually in the parking lot, <laughs> in in uh, the the church that I used to be a part of, I started this thing that I that I even like made little stickers for. It's called Park and Pray mm-hmm. because we wanted to like remember to pray more. Mm-hmm. So like anytime we go somewhere, when you park, you just pray. No matter, no matter where you're at. Uh-huh. So usually in the parking lot, I, I try to remember it, whether it's in the car or as I'm walking in. So just pray for the day and um, pray for myself, pray for the patients that I'm going to encounter. 
on that particular day, pray for the surgeons and uh, my coworkers and just pray for a good day, you know, and everything to go well. Um, so that's kind of like my first step. Getting enough rest <laughs> may not be categorized as a spiritual practice, but if you think about it, if you're well rested, you're just going to be an overall better person. You're going to be have better mental clarity. You're going to be make better decisions. You're going to be less less likely to snap at people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that's important. Um, I think it's absolutely a spiritual practice. I mean, the Sabbath, you know. Yes, there we go. Um, reflection. So in moments where I'm in it, say I'm in a really difficult or a stressful procedure, like this was a few months ago, we were in this vascular case, we were doing like a bypass and all this stuff. And I'm, I'm in this small room, we were doing a procedure where the room should have been twice as big, but it's the older side of the hospital so the rooms are smaller so I'm kind of like stressed out in this situation but like I, I left the room to get some supplies and I just took a moment to reflect and think about okay I'm only going to be here for a couple more hours take a deep breath and remember why you why you're here you're here for the patient think about if that was one of your family members on the table like what sort of dis, uh, disposition would you have if that was your family member on the table? Um, so, so that's another practice, you know, treating patients as family, as if they were your family. Mm. And um, also just reflecting on, um, taking moments throughout the day, just to reflect on why, why you're there. That's another thing that I do. And that helps me to um, just recalibrate in moments where I might be getting frustrated or annoyed by different things. What works for me is remembering that life is a life is temporary and this is more so a step towards eternity. So that I apply that to everything. Mm -hmm. That's just how I go through life. Like whether it's somebody cutting me off in traffic, it's not that serious. So a, a surgeon asking me to go get another electrocautery tip, which is just what they use to cauterize bleeders because they dropped it on the ground, which isn't my fault. And I'm annoyed. Like, it's okay. Just go get it. It'll be fine. Everything in perspective of eternity. Yeah. Yeah. I just have an internal perspective. That's all. Yeah. What was the last one you were going to share? Um, and then I also practice compassion, which also ties into treating patients like family. So if we think about Jesus in situations where you may not have expected him to be compa compassionate, whether it's the woman at the well or like the, the other woman with the issue of blood or countless stories where you, where you expect Jesus to be kind of annoyed or, or frustrated you see him being compassionate. And I try to take that approach when I have a patient that some might perceive as difficult. Mm -hmm. So so there are times where I would walk into the pre-op area and the pre-op nurse is like, oh, this patient is a handful or this patient is such and such. <laughs> and anytime I hear something like that, 
And um, this is something that I've also gotten better at over the years, uh, just not being judgmental. And I thought I thought being judgmental was like b gossiping or like being really outspoken about someone. But I've even noticed that I could judge people even in the little things. And like when I hear someone say something else about uh, or say something about someone else, I could take that and already begin to prejudge that person. Hmm. So so my practice in compassion is like if I hear that. I'm like, okay, I'll just, I'll hear them, but I won't, um, I'll kind of just like sit that aside when I walk in to go introduce myself. So like mm -hmm. anytime I see, I meet someone for the first time, I try to meet them with a clean slate. Mm -hmm. And like that goes with surgeons where someone says, oh, this surgeon is picky or blah, blah, blah. I'll try to start off with a clean slate and just give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. and it and it almost always works out to where it's never as bad as the person told me mm -hmm. it was going to be mm -hmm. and there it seems like that person is really exaggerating um the 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 posture or demeanor or personality of the person that they're talking about so it's kind of funny that Anytime I, I go in and, and meet the person, it's never as bad as, <laughs> as they say it is, which could be because because of my disposition or just because um, my perspective on listening to that person and, and, and trying to see them as a person rather mm -hmm. than just seeing what they're doing or listening to what they're saying, you know? Yeah. I wonder if compassion sometimes draws out the best in people as well maybe uh well any last pieces of advice or encouragement that you'd like to share with our listeners i would just reiterate what i said about the nursing culture from a few questions ago and just reemphasize that it's really important to express gratitude for um, what you do have rather than what you don't have even in nursing school, you may be like, oh, I just want to be at the end. I just want to be a nurse. I just want to start working. Um, but when I look back to nursing school, we still had each other, like me and my classmates, like we still were, were in it together and we're able to have fun. And, you know, those times where you might go out to eat or something like that, like enjoy those moments, enjoy each day. Because um, there's still a lot of insert uncertainty in our world, and tomorrow isn't promised for any of us. And if you're always um, if you're always stuck on some future opportunity or or future goal, then you're never going to be satisfied because that goalpost is always going to move. So hmm. practice contentment, um, practice gratitude. Be nice to your coworkers and help them <laughs> help them out. Find solid community. Um, that's important. And uh, be the nurse that you would want to have. Mm. In a nutshell, <laughs> love that. and that's the, the simplest the simplest way to put it. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much, Josh. This has been a really good conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time. 
Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you having me. It's been great. And uh, thank you for tolerating all my rambling. (laughs) (laughs) It was so good. I love your ramblings. Gratitude is so powerful. I really loved what Josh said about practicing gratitude and contentment, even in the midst of longing for improvement and reform in the way nurses are treated and compensated. Whether you're in a tough season or a joyful season or somewhere in between, what are you grateful for today? A friend of mine often texts me out of the blue just to share what she's grateful for lately, And I found it so encouraging and contagious that I can celebrate these things with her, and it makes me reflect on what I'm grateful for. So maybe you'd like to text a friend to commemorate and celebrate and solidify your gratitudes for this season of life. Before we wrap up this episode, I just want to remind you of our NCF membership coupon code for podcast listeners. You get $10 off by using the code FOLLOWING. You can find more information about membership at ncf-jcn.org. This link in the coupon code will also be in the show notes. Hey, thanks for joining us for another inspiring episode of Following Jesus in Nursing. We hope you've been encouraged and equipped in integrating your faith with your nursing practice. Be sure to check out our show notes for info about connecting with Nurses Christian Fellowship, as well as links and resources mentioned in today's episode. And remember, as you go about your work as a nurse, you are not alone. Jesus is right there with you, guiding your steps and using you to bring healing to those in need. Thanks for listening to Following Jesus in Nursing, And may your faith continue to be a light in the world of healthcare.